Hi, welcome to another episode of Shades of Us, the review. I am Ramat. I am reviewing one of the highest grossing Nigerian movies of 2020. I am talking about Living in Bondage, Breaking Free. Clock is ticking. Tick. Talk. Tick. Talk. So let us start with some facts about the film. Before I get into it though, I must insist that there will be some spoilers. If you have not seen the film, I apologize in advance, but I plan to keep it to the barest minimum. So fingers crossed. Let's get into the movie. Living in Bondage, Breaking Free, also known as Living in Bondage 2, is a 2019 Nigerian supernatural thriller executively produced by Charles Opaliki. The movie was directed by Ramsey Noah and produced by Steve Gukas, Dotun Olakunri, and Charles Opaleke. The screenplay was by Nicole Asinogu and C.J. Obasi, and the story was by Nicole Asinogu. It starred Ramsey Noah as Richard Williams, Jide Kene Achufusi as Namdi Okeke, Kenneth Okonkwo as Andy Okeke, Eyi Nawigwe, I always have a problem pronouncing his name. Yeah, he starred as Obi Naomego. Uh, Munachi Abi was the Kelly Wankwa of the film. Yeah. Sean Fakwa starred as Toby Mworie. Uh, David Jones was Uzoma Adibe. Ebele Okaro was Eunice Worie. Zulu Adigwe was Pascal Worie. Kanayo Okanayo starred as Chief Emeka Omego. Indidi Obi starred as Neka Omego, Bob Manuel Udoku starred as Mike Ekejembe, and Nancy Isime starred as Stella. Charlene Chisom Ignatu starred as Kosi Omego, and Chamberlain Uso starred as himself. The music was by George Carlis, the cinematography was by John Demps, it was edited by Anthony Ribeiro and the production companies who were in charge of the film who put together resources for the film were Play Network Studios, Native Filmworks, Michelangelo Productions and more. It was distributed by Film One Distributions and released on 8 November 2019. It has a running time of 149 minutes and the country of production was Nigeria. Languages that were spoken in the film are English, Igbo, and Nigerian Pidgin. And the budget for it, which was surprising to me, was 10 million naira. I even had this conversation with someone saying, oh, 10 million naira for this film. It kind of felt like a really small budget. If you look at the film, if you look at what was used in the film, locations, the cars, the exotic boats and whatnot, exotic hotels, and it felt like 10 million was a small amount of money. And then when you look at the cast also, they were big stars. But I realized that it was possible that um, a lot of things were done from Play, Net Play Networks um, connections. And, you know, some things could have been, you know, based off of connections. But 10 million naira was the budget for this film. It grossed 168.7 million naira and was critically successful at the box office. Woof! That is an investment anyone would want to have because you invest 10 million naira and you get 168.7 million naira. That is a whole lot of money. Anyway, in 2015, Charles Opalike acquired the rights to living in bondage from the writer Kenneth Nebue for a possible remake to be filmed in Europe and America as well as in Nigeria. 
Um, the news was later confirmed on Instagram, but languished in development hell for three years. We know all of the trouble that could have gone, you know. So, yeah, uh, it was there for three years. And in 2018, uh, Ramsnawa announced the film would become a sequel instead of a remake and titled it Living in Bondage, Breaking Free, marking his directorial debut. Actors Okonkwo, Udoku, and Kanayo Okanayo, who featured in the original film, were retained. And it was so nice to see them in the movie again. It just brought back a lot of memories, right? Filming took place in Lagos, Oweri, and Durban. Living in Bondage, Breaking Free generally received positive reviews from film critics and audiences. Entertainment website Paul's Nigeria ranked it um, on the list of top 10 Nollywood movies of the year and it received critical acclaim for its direction, cinematography, soundtrack, with critics commending Swanky JKA's performance and I will probably give the same reviews in terms of the direction, the cinematography, the soundtrack. Yes, it was amazing and Swanky JKA Jidekene, woo! He acted that role as if, you know, he needed to pay his rent. But um, I will talk about that in a bit. Ben Gabada of Pulse Nigeria, he talked about the fact that the film shed more light on the existence of occult societies and also praised Graham Sinawa for his directorial execution as well as his role as the villain. Ooh, Graham Sinawa! Well, I'll come to that in a bit. At the 2020 edition of the Africa Magic Viewers' Choice Awards, Living in Bondage, Breaking Free received 11 nominations and won seven of those nominations, including Best Overall Movie, Best Movie West Africa, and Best Director. It deserved to, I mean, but you know, I'll come back to that. A little bit of a trivia. This is the first lead role for Swanky JKA, that's Jide Kene, who plays Inambi. And he did it so well. Yes, there were times where it didn't feel like it, but for the most part of the film, he translated the role well. Now, what is the storyline of this movie we've been talking about? Living in Bondage, the sequel, tells the story of Namdi, Andy Okeke's mysterious son, and his vaunting quest for the big life, one that he will do whatever it took to realize. Namdi's untamed quest for the quick buck, fast cars, easy living, inevitably took him on a perilous journey. So, let me talk about my favorite and least favorite things. But as usual, I'll start with the things that I like the most. Jide Kene, I've said it again, Swanky JKA acted the role like somebody was about to throw out his clothes and his things from his house and he needed to pay his rent. He acted this role well. I loved, loved him. But another person who brought his complete A game to it was Ramsinoa. Oof. Oof. So, very few films pit him as the villain but this one he did it with such finesse and class and because ramsey speaks well and in, in in movies his conversation and dialogue doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like he's saying something that is written in the script it feels so natural it kind of pulled me in okay so naturally i like ramsey Noah, but then woof, him as a bad guy there was this point in the movie where um, he was shaking hands with businessmen and what have you. And then every other person was, you know, there's this slight bow that is an African thing. And here he was standing erect, unmoved. You know, it was the complete 
definition of opulence and power and he translated the role well there are some simple simple things that the person does in a film that is just fantastic it, it, it encapsulates the role and it just brings the role out well so yes Ramsey Noah mm, 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 lots of kisses because man he brought his A game to the role I loved that opening scene. Santa Maria, you need to watch that opening scene. It was haunting with just that car in fact you don't really see the car you see the lights of the car that's what makes you know it's a car right and then you see it go in the dark with that haunting sound woof that was oof 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 i doff my hat i doff my hat for him now that was, that scene was so beautiful and it pulled instantly i just knew this film was going to be such a good film that's what i thought right when i watched that opening scene I think the cinematography was great. I mean, imagine that shot in that opening scene. There are a couple of other great shots that were really beautifully executed. And I appreciated all of the work that went into the cinematography. I also love, you know, the costume. It was where it was necessary to be opulent. It was opulent. Where it was necessary to be simple, it was that. So I think whoever chose the clothing for everyone just chose really simple clothes and it was realistic it was something you could imagine and see in everyday behavior loved 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 it um again the language was simple jide kene had his heavily accented um um what do you call it Igbo accent and was good so and i think fakwa uh, who played his brother is not nigerian i'm thinking because his name Fakwa kind of sounds Ghanaian I, I'm not sure but then he was able to you know pick that accented evil accent to talk but then you now see the parents the Omegos you know that they were educated in a different system of education where the British taught them they're older so you could hear how clean play was Nigerian accented but then you know it was a bit different from their kids and then you hear Ramsinoa talk and then you hear Munachi talk and then you it was it was a mix and match of different kinds of accents that is realistic when you go or when you interact with Nigerian people people say we have one accent I don't agree we have multiple kinds of accents but they tie to the kinds of education of the places or the locations we are from so these things made it realistic to me i actually love the locations okay take for example gd kenny's um that namdi's first introduction when we see him as a poor dude right so we see the poverty in the house in the way he was taking his shower and the shower um, um what do you call it the shower for the lack of a better word the shower fell off from the wall from where it was hooked to the wall right and um then you see the opulence of um richard williams's house and his car and his office and it's just really well done in terms of choosing locations for it now this is the part i don't like the story was a bit off so let's take for example a reporter is the one who finds the correlation between Namdi and his father. Why is he after you and your son? 
Namdi is this very intelligent, very driven person, and he only seemed to ask his parents about his or who, who his biological father was, or ask, and then that they didn't give him an answer, and he let it go. Why? It kind of felt a bit off because I felt he would have been willing to seek more or look for more information uh, to find his father. He didn't need a reporter to piece that together. And on the flip side, Andy Okeke didn't know he had a son, but then if his first wife was pregnant, and or rather his second wife was pregnant, and um, she disappeared, wouldn't he have like maybe tried to keep tabs on her some, or something? Like, I really don't know. It just kind of felt weird, right? Another part of the story that was a bit off was how surprised Namdi was at his initiation. <laughs> Like he literally said, I was willing to do whatever it took to become rich and drive those fast cars and whatnot. And then he wakes up from his supposed dream and all of a sudden he's like, oh no, no, no. And I'm like, dude, did you not know what you were doing? What is happening? That seemed a bit off in the storyline. So Richard Williams says that um, um, Namdi didn't need to cut the head of the person he loved the most. But then we have the film starting with Obina cutting the head of his child, right? And it was just like, Ugh. okay, so if that was not necessary, why did we have to see that in the beginning, right? So in a way, the story was a bit off. And then some of the dialogue, ugh, it was painful to listen to. So where Namdi was at that crossroad where he had to make the decision for who to kill, his brother kept going, don't kill me, I am your brother. And I'm like, okay, this sounds weird. Like, what's going on here? The fear wasn't communicated properly. It just kept saying, oh, I am your brother. I mean, and it just felt ooh, off in so many ways. But, you know. So, let's have the second part where Munachi, who is Kelly and the girlfriend of Namdi, is asking him, what have you done? What have you done? And it's... That scene felt so like she was acting, unlike the rest of the scene. That scene was like, act, 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 stop acting. Let's see you be real. And so that was a bit off. And then finally, that scene between Andy Okeke, who is um, the father of Namdi, and Richard Williams in the church. So we have the cross turnover, then we have the doors fling open, and we have Richard come in, and it was like drama. And then Andy starts quoting the Bible, and it's like, oh my goodness, can you put some more power to this? If you're going to fight with the Bible, put some power to it. But it just didn't come, right? And then, um, I mean, the banter coming from Richard, who is Rantino, was amazing. He, he, he was good. But from Andy, okay, okay, oof. Uh, 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 I don't, I didn't really like it. So it was just a bit off. It was a bit off. Yeah. So there were other parts, but these are the major ones that I want to talk about. I think overall it was a good movie. I don't know if, however, we enjoyed it because of the nostalgia from the first living in bondage or based on its own merit. The acting was awesome in many instances and the movie was visually appealing. I think it was a gamble that paid off, but the story about the occult is not one that I connect to. In the past, I would have said, oh yes, this is possible. But because of my present way of thinking, 
I had a problem with the story of the occult, and it was okay, it's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm not saying I had a personal problem with it. Um, but many Nigerians, and I dare I say many Africans, would easily buy into it. So I think it had its audience. Um, for me, I looked at the other things, the, the other parts of the stories, right? It's just the occult one that didn't really jive with me, especially that thing where they were supposed to be having the Jesus fighting the devil kind of oof tired of that storyline but anyway regardless of all of this i would rate the movie a solid 7 over 10 but that is my opinion what do you think about living in bondage do you like the film what are your favorite and least favorite parts of the film share your views in the comment section remember that you can select the movie that you would like to see me review next week and i will definitely get on it for you that's about it on the show. Please listen to the end of this podcast to find out ways to contact me. And don't forget to tune in every Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 1.05 p.m. West African time on our various platforms. It's hugs and kisses from Ramat. Bye, yeah. That's a wrap on today's podcast. Like us on Facebook and LinkedIn at Shades of Us, or you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shades of Us Media. Tell us any song, album, movie, or series you think will make for a great review by sending an email to shadesofusafrica at gmail.com or a WhatsApp message to plus 234-905-912-7552. Thanks for listening. Bye.